start with prayer. Father, thank you that you have indeed adopted us as your children and that you have called us to be, um, you've given us authority and you've called us to be your representatives in the world here. And you've not left us alone, but you've given us the Holy Spirit um, to be in us, to help us. We ask today that you would speak to us through your word and uh, give us grace to understand and obey. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, um, I want to start out. The, the topic today is about praying in the Spirit. And I want to start by reading uh, something that the Holy Spirit, I felt the Holy Spirit spoke to me as, we, as I was praying, uh, as the elders were praying about the direction for this year. This is one of the things I felt like the Lord was saying. I wrote it down in my journal. I want to share it with you this morning. He says, trust me. Keep trusting in me. Don't depend on your own devices or plans or skills. Trust in me. Pray and see what I do. And here's the key. I can't emphasize enough that the work that I want to accomplish is built on prayer. So pray, keep praying with faith and an open ear to be led in your prayers and your work by the Holy Spirit. Let me breathe wind into your sails. Yes, those sails that will be renewed by me. Your regular prayers are fine, but also pray in the Spirit and pray spontaneous prayers for whatever the Spirit will bring to your mind. Don't think that the prayers that you pray are just dissolving into the air. Do you ever feel like that? Like you're praying, but you don't know if it's doing anything? Think more like that they are water to fill a cup or to saturate a thirsty soil or to breach a dam. Your prayers have weight to them and volume. They have life-giving properties, but they are continually needed like water. Do not despise them or feel discouraged when you pray. You are my children. I listen to you and your words have authority. So that's, that's what I felt like the Lord was, that's one of the things I felt like the Lord was saying. And uh, listen to this verse Jesus spoke in John chapter 7, verse 37. It says, on, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, this was in Jerusalem, and it was, I think it was at some ceremony of pouring, getting water from a well or something like that. And he says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit. It's nice when the Bible explains for us what, what these images mean. But he's talking about the Holy Spirit, that it's going to flow like, he's going to flow like a river from within you, who? Anyone who believes in me, whoever believes in me. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. And notice there it said they believed in him already, but they were to receive him later because Jesus promised to baptize them with the Holy Spirit. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. 
So we've recently wrapped up a sermon series about prayer, right? And uh, last week, Warren preached to us about this baptism of the Holy Spirit, how uh, God wants to baptize all his people with the Holy Spirit. And we'll look at some of how that happens in Scripture. Sometimes it happens one way. Sometimes it happens when people are saved. Sometimes it happens uh, later when somebody, they're already Christians, but somebody comes and lays hands on them and they pray and they receive a, a filling, a greater empowerment by the Holy Spirit. And uh, that's what Warren was talking about last week. And uh, as we elders met, we've just decided that uh, I think starting in a few weeks, we're going to start a series on Pentecost. That's the day, that, of course, is the day that God first poured out the Holy Spirit on believers in Jerusalem. And uh, how I think the series is about how actually from the whole Bible, from the beginning, prophecy was pointing to that event. Like, of course, Jesus dying on the cross and rising again, those were most important events, right? But Pentecost, when he poured out his spirit to live in us, to dwell in us with power, is no less significant. And so we're going to be preaching about that. And uh, talking about Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, at the beginning it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Of course, the word tongues, I don't know exactly why we use the word tongues so often, because it means languages, right? So, uh, so when, when the disciples, I think there were 150 of them originally, were baptized with the Holy Spirit, uh, they all started doing this. They all started speaking in different languages that they hadn't studied, they hadn't learned. Uh, and it says, they spoke as the Spirit enabled them. So they were speaking, but it was the Holy Spirit that was giving them what to say, so to speak. Uh, so in the New Testament, we see that uh, other examples, when people were baptized with the Holy Spirit, it often reports a couple of the things that happened to them, that they spoke in tongues, other language, and that they prophesied, that they spoke words from the Holy Spirit that uh, they, they weren't their own words. Uh, it, seems, it seems to me that these, are believe, these two gifts are available to all believers when we're baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage us in those things this morning. <clears throat> so in, here are some more examples. In Acts chapter 2, uh, after... Uh, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. <laughs> it needed explanation because the people around thought they were drunk. It was crazy. It's kooky. These people start speaking in other languages that, that well, I want to say nobody knows, but there were actually some people who did recognize them because they were real languages. 
Uh, but a lot of them didn't recognize him because <laughs> why would these Jewish fishermen be speaking these languages? And uh, he says, these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, <clears throat> this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now, carefully, what does it say there? Who? All people. Not special people. That was the Old Testament. All people. In other words, all believers. All Christians, we would say now. Um, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Sons and daughters, I think, means young people. It's not limited to age. That's good. And your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. So there's a promise that those who have the spirit poured out on them will prophesy. They'll have that gift. They'll be able to do that be able to hear God's voice and speak what God has been speaking to them. Uh, in Acts chapter 10, uh, Peter, God leads Peter to go speak to, preach the gospel to some Gentiles, Cornelius and his household. And so uh, God has showed him that it was okay, you can go to a Gentile's house. That was a new thing. And he says, it says, while Peter was still saying these things, preaching the gospel to them, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. In other words, he hadn't given an altar call yet. He was just preaching, and all of a sudden they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And that's how they recognized that these people had been baptized with the Holy Spirit because uh, they hadn't done anything. They hadn't laid hands on him. He was just preaching the gospel to them and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they start speaking in tongues and extolling God. <clears throat> then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So originally, the disciples, they all believed. In fact, there was a time before Jesus went up to heaven where he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You know, you're sa you can't be saved or born again without the Holy Spirit working in your heart, right? Uh, but this is a different experience with the Holy Spirit. This is a different measure. Uh, they, God sovereignly poured out his Spirit on them that day of Pentecost. Now, here, Peter's preaching to them uh, they evidently are believing in their heart what Peter's saying because uh, Cornelius was a godly man and his whole household was there with him and God poured out his Holy Spirit on all of them. Nobody laid hands on them or anything, right? And they all started speaking in tongues and speaking uh, praises to God. And so Peter said, I guess we better baptize them. They're Christians. They have the Holy Spirit already. And uh, then in Acts chapter 19, it's in, that's talking about the believers in the town of Ephesus, the city of Ephesus. Uh, they had found some believers that a guy, I think it was a guy named Apollos, had gone preaching to them. 
And so the apostles heard that there was a pocket of believers up there. So they sent, I think, Peter and John, uh, no, no, Paul, I guess, went up there. And, uh, and uh, I think they, they said, have you been baptized? Uh, what baptism did you receive when you believed? And they said, John's baptism. And so then they baptized them with water in the name of Jesus. So that, but then this verse comes and it says, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit. So these guys had already been baptized, I guess twice, with water, and they believed already. Well, Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So there again we see, like, they, they are filled with the Holy Spirit, this experience of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. And what happens is they start speaking in tongues and prophesying, those two things. So I see a pattern there. Uh, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. So to me, it makes sense that the Holy Spirit should help all believers to be able to do these two things, to be able to pray in a, in a supernatural language and to God, and also to hear God's voice so that you can speak special word of the Lord, kind of like we've heard this morning of uh, several people. Warren came up here, and again, he talked about my message before I preached it. You know, that's the Holy Spirit. He does that every time I preach when he's here. And uh, um, other people. So the, those, those make, it makes sense that those are things because what do they do? They facilitate our two-way converse, communication between us and God. And that's, what the, that's one of the Holy Spirit's jobs is to help us pray to God and help us hear God's voice. And so we as believers should expect that we can do those things, that, that it's possible for us. That These are gifts of the Holy Spirit, but they're available. Does everybody do it? Does every believer do that? I don't think so. I grew up, I was raised in a church where they didn't talk about that. They, I, I don't know if they believed it or not. They thought it, this is something that happened in the Bible, but we don't see it today. And... Uh, but then I came to summer camp here and they taught me about it and uh, we experienced it. Actually, the first time I heard a prophecy, we were up in the tent meeting up there and uh, I thought it was like some drama they were doing. So some guy in the back was pretending to be God and talking to people. Then I realized, I came to realize that was actually prophecy. I'd never heard that before. And uh, uh, so in prop. When we pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit is praying directly through us, like he's cir- uh, circumventing our mind and our intellect and just, uh, just praying to God what needs to be prayed that he knows that we don't. And that's an amazing thing. And then prophecy, God's speaking to us and speaking through us to other people. And he, he can also give us ideas, strategies, and words to pray. He's our helper in prayer. And uh, Paul writes that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness to pray. Romans 8, verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes, that means pray for, the saints, that means us, 
according to the will of God. And so the Holy Spirit is helping us to pray God's will. Uh, he can do this through nonverbal means. Like it says groanings. I think that, that doesn't necessarily mean tongues or prayer language. It, it could be, it's talking about a nonverbal way that the Holy Spirit is praying for us, helping us to pray. Uh, but I think it also can be that the Holy Spirit gives us knowledge in our, in our thoughts to help us to pray with his strategy. Like he leads us in prayer. Like here, put, he puts this thought in our mind and say, pray, use your English to pray uh, this. And uh, also by a supernatural prayer language, pr- uh, praying in tongues. Um, a popular... Christian author and preacher John Bevere. I don't know if you've heard, I'm sure you've heard me talk, a lot of you heard me talk about him. I'm sorry, I'm probably telling stories I've already told before. But I just, just examples for everybody. I want to encourage us in this gift. Like a lot of us know about this already, but do we do it? And I just want to encourage us today to pray in the Spirit. Uh, he shares a story, he was in college in a fraternity, he had a, he'd become a Christian. He had a Bible study and he was teaching uh, other fraternity students and sorority kids uh, about Jesus and about the baptism of the Holy Spirit at Purdue University. And uh, he taught this, this young lady. She received the baptism of the Holy Spirit one evening. And so then she went home and the next morning uh, she woke up at like 5 o'clock in the morning and she just felt this uh, burden to pray in her new gift of tongues that she'd received the night before. And so she did, and, uh, and after uh, 45 minutes to an hour, she just kind of sensed that a release, she didn't need to pray anymore, so she stopped. And then the phone rang, and uh, it was, uh, it was um, her roommate's grandpa had had a heart attack, and... He had been stabilized like five minutes before. And so she realized, I I think in the meantime, he had encouraged her, you can ask God, the Holy Spirit, to give you a clue about what you're praying in tongues. And so she did, and she felt like it was something about an older man, very serious situation. She came to find out she was praying to save the life of her roommate's grandpa who was having a heart attack. And (laughs) how could anybody pray, pray like that except... The Holy Spirit knows she would have no idea, right? And that's just an example. Anything like that could happen when, you pray, when we pray in the Spirit, when we pray in tongues. Um, one of COC's founders, Lynn Heights, uh, in his book, oh, by the way, speaking of booklets, uh, the notes today aren't exactly what I'm preaching, but it's a teaching about uh, the gift of tongues uh, that I made a couple of years ago. And so I just encourage you, is, uh, take this home and, and read it and study it. It's got more things than I'm going to talk about today, and it's got more testimonies in it. But uh, here's a testimony. Lynn Heights was a missionary who helped found this place. He wrote this book called The Compassionate Christ. might be in the library over there. Um, just a, a story. I want to read a story. Uh, how the Holy Spirit helped him and his, uh, those who were with him to pray. 
I'm going to read it out of this book here. So he, he says, in, in 1981, I again visited India with two missionary friends from the USA, Dr. Art Vincent and Dr. Morris Watkins. Masalamani, our India director, knew of a village outside his home city of Madras where the gospel had never been spoken and the people did not know of the grace of God as revealed in the word. Dr. Art Vincent, Dr. Maury Watkins, and I visited the area with our Indian co-workers. We had gone to a field to hold an outdoor meeting for people from nearby villages who had been invited. We had sent Indian youths ahead to call the people to come and hear the word of the Almighty God. Within a few minutes, as we three huddled in prayer, hundreds of people started arriving. Soon I heard, heard voices and scuffling. Looking up, we saw a group of several club-wielding men in yellow turbans driving the people off the field. I asked Masalamani, who are these men and what are they doing? He said, they're witch doctors. They don't want their people to hear the message of God. Okay, if you don't think there's a spiritual warfare going around, uh, in, go to India, you'll see it out in the open. But God is greater than these, those witch doctors, I interjected. Let's pray. And we did, very earnestly. Together we asked God to send the witch doctors away and to bring the people back. Yet when we finished, we saw that not one person had remained on the field. I looked into the heavens and cried, God, why? The answer came in the form of a thought. Ask for an archangel. I told our friends what I had just received. Together we asked God to send an arch archangel to bind those witch doctors and bring the people back. After our God-directed prayers, within minutes we saw the people return and not a sign of the witch doctors. After our messages from God's holy word, many of the crowd stayed to be baptized. <laughs> so, uh, so they prayed. I don't know if they prayed in tongues, but they prayed in the Holy Spirit. And uh, Lynn received just a word of instruct, wisdom from the Holy Spirit. Pray for an archangel. What? How would we know that there's a thing like we need an archangel to drive away the spiritual enemies that are keeping these people from hearing the gospel? But that's what was needed in that situation. And I don't think we should make a doctrine of that, like let's always pray for an archangel. But maybe, I mean, maybe sometimes, sometimes evidently it's, it's needed, right? And so, uh, but the Holy Spirit led him in prayer and a lot of people got saved because of it. And uh, so that's another example of how the Holy Spirit helps us in prayer. Uh, the chapter of 1 Corinthians 14 is the place in the Bible that speaks the most about prophecy and speaking in tongues. And I want to go through that and pull some things out of there because Paul gives instructions. And he's talking about believers and the Corinthians and how they should use these gifts in a church meeting, Okay. And it says this, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So we see there, uh, you can desire spiritual gifts through the Holy Spirit and seek them. That's okay. Like it's not just like, oh, I'm just waiting here for God to dump a spiritual gift on me. And uh, if he wants me to do it, I'll do it. There's a seeking 
that, that's involved, or at least can be involved here. And uh, for one who speaks in a tongue, speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Well, what is that word mystery? So when you're speaking in a tongue, you're uttering mysteries in the Spirit. Well, that word in Greek, musterion, uh, it talks about the counsels of God, once hidden but now revealed. So it's revelation from God. And uh, the Helps Word Studies says that in the Bible, a mystery is not something unknowable, like it's a mystery, we'll never know. But it's what can only be known through revelation because God reveals it. And so this, this agrees with what Jesus said. He said, I'm going to the Father, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he'll tell you all the things that I, you weren't ready for me to hear while I was here. And so the Holy Spirit's job is to give revelation or reveal mysteries to us, things God wants us to know that we don't. He's a communicator. So this idea in the church, and I grew up with this, is that the, the Holy Spirit is just some invisible presence that's working and not, we don't know what he's saying. He's not communicating, he's just doing stuff that we don't see. He's more than a force, he's a communicator, right? Uh, verse 3 on the other hand the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself okay so there's something about a speaking in tongues you are edifying or building yourself up it's the idea of like building a house or building a building you're building yourself up when you speak in a tongue okay he says, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. In other words, uh, when people, various members got up this morning and gave us a word of prophecy, it was things we all could understand to build each of us up, right? We hear it and it builds us up. When you're praying in tongues, you're not building somebody else up because they don't understand what you're saying, right? Uh, but you are building yourself up, evidently, because that's what it says. Now, verse 5, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. That would be a strange thing for Paul to say if it weren't possible for all of us. Right? Like, I know a lot of people say, well, uh, I know some other people speak in tongues, uh, but I've tried, or I, I've never done it, so I don't think it's God's will for me. And I would say, it doesn't seem like what Paul is saying here. Now, uh, I'm not condemning anybody who's never spoken in tongues, but I'm just saying it's available. It's something that's available to all believers. And that's what I'd like you to see here. Uh, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. So you don't want to say, like, well, tongues is not as great as prophecy, so it's something I don't really want to seek that gift. No, what he's saying here is, if you're in a church service, if you speak in tongues out loud, there's a place for that. Somebody should stand up and use another gift called interpretation. And uh, like Stephen has said before, uh, that's something that we want to be looking to see in our meetings. That's something that happens is a message in tongues and an interpretation to go with it. 
But what Paul is saying is uh, the Corinthians were just standing up and speaking out loud in tongues, no interpretation, and he's saying, uh, in the meeting, that's kind of pointless. It's not helping everybody. It might be helping the person speaking, but it's not helping anybody else because nobody understands what they're saying, right? He said, in the church meeting, it's better to prophesy because people can understand what you're saying, right? And so he's talking to them about how to use, how to use these gifts that you have, especially in the church service, in the meeting. Which also tells us that it, these things are under the control of the person. Like you can control when you pray in tongues. You can control when you listen to God and prophesy. Like, uh, I mean, it's from God, but it's, it's something that's under your control. It doesn't just take you over and you're uncontrollable and you just have to interrupt uh, everything. So, both tongues and prophecies serve to edify and build up. Praying in tongues builds up the prayer and whoever is being prayed for. But prophecy builds up the hearer with the word of God. And uh, so then it continues in verse 12. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the spirit, and that's a good thing, strive to excel in building up the church. So use your gifts not just to build up yourselves. It's not wrong to build yourself up. We need it. But also, they're for building up the church. They're also for ministering to unbelievers when we're witnessing. Uh, but see how Paul is commanding t- us to strive to excel at gifts, at spiritual gifts, not just to ignore it and say, well, if God wants me to do something, I guess he'll make me do it. Uh, Paul's saying, you strive to excel at these. You practice them. You seek them. This implies that they're available and that they need to be developed, exercised, and grown in. Verse 13, Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. One thing it says, this, this could be a prayer language, a language of praying. Uh, it also, I think, teaches us that we can seek God, seek the Holy Spirit, and say, what is the meaning of this tongue I'm praying in that I don't understand? Like, uh, like the girl at Purdue did. And in the service, again, we would, want, we would want to do that. It doesn't have to be the same person, but somebody should interpret. If we give a message in an unknown language from the Spirit in the service, that's good, but somebody should interpret it and, it, and that should be there. Like the Holy Spirit can do that, but we need to seek to do that if we're doing that in a service. That's what Paul's saying. Uh, so, you know, a lot of churches are like, that's weird. And some churches that believe in this, they don't like to have tongue, tongues in the service because they think, well, if we have visitors and they hear that, uh, they're going to think we're crazy and they won't come back. But no, that's not what Paul is saying should happen in a service. He's saying, no, these are, these are good things, right? L- let's not throw them away because uh, we think they're weird, okay? This, this is important. Um, verse 15, what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. 
I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. So Paul's like, I'm going to do both. I'm going to pray in tongues. I'm going to pray in my language that I understand. And uh, he's using it. He's using them both. He's led by the Spirit in both. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he doesn't know what you're saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. So again, this is talking about in a meeting. Like, don't just blurt out in tongues in a meeting. Nobody else can agree with you. They don't know what you're saying. Unless you interpret. Verse 18. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. (laughs) Sounds kind of boastful, doesn't it? But it's not. It's not boastful. What's he but it would be a really strange thing again to say if like, well, sorry, you guys can't speak in tongues because the Holy Spirit hasn't given you that gift, but I can, so I thank God that I can speak in tongues more than all of you. No, I think he's, he's implying this is something available to everybody. I, I, I'm glad that I speak in tongues a lot. Evidently, Paul prayed in tongues a lot, and he was glad about it because it built him up and it was a powerful gift. And what he's saying, what he's meaning is, I want you to pray in tongues as much as I do. Right? That's what he's implying. And uh, why would he, you know, he's thankful for the gift. The question is, do we make good use of and value the Spirit's gifts like Paul did? But that starts out with being filled with the Spirit and, and seeking those gifts. Like, if, you, if you've never prayed in tongues, there's no shame in that, but s- seek it. Um, because it's available, and it's a very powerful thing that God desires for us to have. And the other gifts as well. 23, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and outsiders and unbelievers enter... Will they not say that you're out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Okay, so this this is a thing that happens. I don't know if you are aware of any times, but people prophesy and like somebody's like, how did they know that? That was for me. Um, that's happened to me one time here where I gave up and just gave a, a little short word and there was a visitor here and he, after I went to talk to him, he's like, that just was right to me. Like, I can't remember what it was about, but that's, that should happen. Like, when you, when you give prophecies, it's going to be for somebody. The Holy Spirit is coordinating. You step out in faith and say what you feel like the Holy Spirit put on your heart and trust him that he, it's a word for somebody that somebody needs, okay? And the uh, Holy Spirit can reveal things that we wouldn't know ourselves. Now, if we just went on and didn't give prophecies in church, we could still worship God and stuff, but these things wouldn't happen. Like, a person wouldn't be touched in that supernatural way if we hadn't used the gifts. You know what I'm saying? So what God can accomplish 
through these gifts when we are um, open to using them and be led by the Holy Spirit is a lot greater than what we just can do on our own. So he says, what then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. So this last week we had what we call a half a service. And that means, that's from this verse. Each of you has one of these gifts to share when you come together. So share them. Use those gifts. And I'm very thankful to this church that we have the policy to let people do that because this is what Paul is saying um, the church should do. And, uh, but it's not just those special meetings like we had last week, but it's at any time or in a home group meeting or even when you're not in a meeting but the Holy Spirit gives you something to share with somebody else, tell them. Share that gift. And it says, each of you. So that there's something. He's not just picking out special people who are like, been the Christians the longest or the most gifted people. It says, each of you. Right? So don't limit yourself and say, well, it's not me. It must be, you know, those, those people. No, it's, it's, he's not, he's an equal opportunity gifter. If any speak in a tongue... Let there be only two or at most three and each in turn and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to the prophets. So you don't have to interrupt. The Holy Spirit is not going to take possession of you and make you interrupt everything inappropriately. Like, you can control this. He gives you a word. You wait until the appropriate time to stand up and give it. Okay? But don't be afraid to do that. Okay? So there's order in the church service. Paul's talking about order, not disorder. It's not craziness. I mean, the world might think it's crazy, but it's not craziness. It shouldn't be practiced in a crazy way. Um, There's order. So the Holy Spirit doesn't control us. He communicates to us. He enables us. He influences us. He supplies the ability and the revelation. But we make the choice to use the gifts and to give voice to them. It's a partnership. Okay? It's a cooperation between us and the Holy Spirit. He can want to do it, and we can choose not to do it. Or we can seek him, and we can partner together with him. But it's not just us. It's not just the Holy Spirit. So, my brothers, last verse, earnestly desire to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. So, desire these things. Don't forbid speaking in tongues. Here's a word for the church today. How many churches, how many denominations forbid speaking in tongues? And how can they do that when that verse is in the Bible? I don't know. I mean, I come from the same kind of church when I grew up. Uh, 
They forbid speaking in tongues, but that's not right. So, we, a lot of Christians may think, well, I've never experienced it, so uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't want to give me that gift. Well, I don't think that's what we saw. That's not what we've seen in the Bible so far, right? Uh, if my experience doesn't match what the Bible says, I don't change my doctrine according to my experience. My doctrine, my teaching should come from what the Bible says, right? And so churches that say it's not for us, they're going from their experience. And that's not what we should do. Individuals, if I say, well, I just have never experienced it, so I guess it's the will of God that I don't have that. Be very careful. That's, again, you're, you're elevating your own experience over what the Bible says. Okay? If I don't experience I, what the Bible is saying, I should not feel shame. Jesus, Jesus talked to his disciples that way a lot. You have little faith. You know, you need to grow. Well, of course I need to grow. We all need to grow, right? Don't be ashamed at that. But don't create a doctrine saying, I don't need to grow. God doesn't want me to grow. That's not right. So, um, but what God wants us to do is pursue, seek. Oh, this is available? I'm going to seek after it. I'm going to learn more about it. I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to pray. I'm going to have somebody pray for me. I'm going to worship God and get alone with him and see what happens, Okay. That's what we need to do. Um, where was I? So Paul gave this command, Ephesians 6.18. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. That comes in this, right at the end of the section about the armor of God and battling against spiritual forces, demons and the devil. And here's what I think. This is a power, these are powerful gifts that the Holy Spirit wants us to have. And the devil really wants to cheat us, deceive us out of using them, having them, believing in them, practicing them, right? Because they will destroy his works if we do practice them. And so he will try to get us to not believe it's for me or not believe it's for today. Or here's what, happened, here's what I'm guilty of. I believe in it, but I ignore it. I don't make use of it like I could. I forget about it or whatever. That's the enemy's work too because he does not want this happening. And that's what I want to encourage you about today is... Paul says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. And what he told me, again, prayer is so important. Don't get discouraged. The enemy will try that. He'll try to get us discouraged. Like, my prayers aren't making a difference. Or I'm praying in tongues, and like, I don't know what I'm saying. Is this really making any difference? Is this doing anything? I know when I first, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was uh, in fifth grade at summer camp here. And I didn't understand I had a lot of questions about the gift of tongues. Uh, the testimony is in that little booklet you have. But uh, if 
I would pray in tongues sometimes, and I would think, is that really the Holy Spirit, or am I just, you know, making this up? And uh, that's a lot of people's experience, kind of. Um, but no, we need, to, we need to believe. Jesus said, we receive things in the kingdom of God by asking and believing. And the devil mostly works by deceiving us and getting us not to believe what God says. And so, that's the same, same thing is true with these gifts. Now, does, somebody will say, well, doesn't 1 Corinthians 12 teach that we all have different gifts? It asks, do all speak in tongues? And the implied answer in that verse is no. Right? But the question is, what particular gift of tongues is that referring to? A guy named David Pitches has written a book called Spiritual Gifts in the, Lo in the Local Church. He explains that the Bible shows different types or uses of the gift of tongues. In other words, there are different categories of tongues or gift of languages. Uh, the first one is the use of tongues where utterance is not understood by the speaker, but overheard by members of the public and without interpretation understood by those whose own language it is. Uh, this is tongues used as a sign. This is what happened in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. The disciples were speaking in tongues and some of the visitors from other countries heard them speaking in their own languages and were like, how is this happening? It's a miracle and they believed in God. Uh, there's a story that a lot of you know. Kathy told me about Mark and Mike Knudsen, classmates of hers who were adopted from India. And a couple weeks after they had just come over here, they were in the church service in this building and somebody, uh, somebody gave a word in tongues out loud in the service and uh, those two little Indian boys were like, Mom, <laughs> they're speaking my language. Like somebody had a gift of tongues in uh, Tamil or whatever, Telugu or whatever that Indian language was. And these kids, these adopted kids just new to America heard that and... Uh, God was speaking a message to them. Nobody else in the church understood it, but the little Indian boys who'd just come over from overseas understood it. That's, that's that kind of first kind of tongues used as a sign. Um, John Bevere tells a story about a woman on his staff. He was preaching in a service. She was in the back. Her job was to pray for him while he preached. So she was sitting in the back, praying in tongues quietly, not out loud, but you can pray in tongues quietly anytime you want to, no matter where you are. And so she, evidently it was loud enough that the guy sitting in front of her heard kind of what she was praying. And at the end of the service, she, he turned around and he said, hey, can I just say that your French is amazing? Like, I'm a high school... She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know French. He's like, no, I'm a high school French teacher, and in fact, the French that you were saying was perfect. Not only that, but it was like some kind of very old-style, special variety of French. And that was just amazing. And he, she's like, well, I was just praying in tongues. And he said, no, the, the weird thing was that you would pray something, and then John would preach it. And this kept happening over and over, that you would pray something and God, John would say the same thing from the pulpit. 
<laughs> so this is an, another example of this kind of tongues. Tongues as a sign. The second kind would be the use of tongues in public worship. Uh, the, this is what Paul was writing about in 1 Corinthians 14 that we read. The language is unknown and should be followed by an interpretation given by the Holy Spirit. It's a real word, but uh, it needs to be translated or interpreted so that everybody present can understand. God is giving a message. It's almost like a prophecy that comes first through tongues. Uh, that's the second kind. And then the third is the use of tongues in private, which needs no interpretation, though apparently this could be asked for, he writes. Most of those who use the gift in private have never exercised it in public worship. Public exercise is a distinct anointing or a distinct gift. Yet a link between the public and private use appears to exist. That is, any person who exercises the gift of tongues in public almost invariably uses the gift in private. In other words, you're not going to expect to stand up and give a message in tongues in the service, that kind of gift, if you don't pray in tongues privately in your prayer language. Okay. Uh, so a couple of things I want to finish. I'm sorry, there's just a lot to talk about with this, and I just want to... What are the benefits or fruit of praying uh, in this special prayer language, the third kind of tongues we talked about? Well, like water, it has a lot of uses, just like that. Uh, I just want to list a few here. With the help of the Holy Spirit, you can intercede for people in situations, big and small, that you yourself have no knowledge of. Like you could be praying for anybody. You don't know. Holy Spirit knows. If I put myself in a position where I'm saying... I'm willing to pray, and I'm just going to pray in my prayer language. Holy Spirit, you direct it. You could be praying for leaders of nations. You could be praying for people in trouble that you don't know of. Okay? Um, so that's awesome. You could pray, you can pray with specific direction and power for the people and things that you do know. You know a situation, you don't know exactly how to pray, you pray in tongues, and the Holy Spirit will pray right to the point and with power to change whatever that is. Uh, you have human limitations, the Holy Spirit doesn't. Let him help you pray. It can help God's will to come into the circumstances you're currently experiencing or praying for. Another thing we know, you're built up or edified spiritually, emotionally, mentally, when you pray in tongues. Like, you want to be stronger? You want to be healthier? You want to have a good frame of mind? You want to be set free from strongholds, temptations, fear, and other things? Habitual sins? Pray in tongues. It's got to help. It's building you up. You can receive anointing power to minister better in whatever task you have at hand. I don't mean minister as a church minister. I mean whatever you're doing. It will empower you to do better. Do it with God's wind in your sails. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, so it's not unreasonable to expect that praying in tongues can bring healing, refreshment, and rest to your body. Busy ministers testify that regular prayer in tongues helps prevent them from burnout. That could work for anybody in every, any kind of work. It can bring miraculous power into your situation. There's a missionary from 
Hong Kong, Jackie Pullinger in the 70s. She discovered ministering to heroin addicts that they wouldn't have withdrawal symptoms while they were praying in tongues. They, were, they could recover from heroin without symptoms by praying in tongues when they felt bad. Uh, and one more thing, it seems to be a key for receiving inspiration from the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said he had much more to say to us, but the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. Every, anything that the Father has, he would guide us to. And so John Bevere talked about, he's writing a book, a Christian book. He gets stuck, doesn't know what to write next. Praise in tongues, walks around, prays in tongues for a while. He gets inspiration, sits back down and keeps writing. So one, one more question. How do you receive your prayer language if you've never experienced it? I've got some testimonies in that little booklet. One is of the founder of this place, Bob Heil, uh, from his book. I uh, put my own testimony in there. But basically, ask for it. You want more of the Holy Spirit? Ask God. Believe that the Holy Spirit gives it to you. Ask and believe. Jeremiah 29, 13, God says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jesus said in Luke 11, If you then, though, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So he's promising the Holy Spirit to those who ask and believe. And he's not going to say no. That's what, that's what Jesus is saying. You wouldn't do that to your child. Why would God withhold the Holy Spirit from you if you're seeking him or seeking a valuable gift? He's not going to. If you've never prayed in tongues, what should you expect? Does the Holy Spirit possess you and you start speaking uncontrollably? No. It's a cooperative effort. The Bible says, Acts says, they spoke in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They spoke, the Spirit gave words. So it's a cooperation. A good word that John Bevere uses is the word yield. And if you look at the picture, like if you were walking into a, a river here in Missouri, and the... the the further you go in, the deeper you get. The current is moving through the center. Uh, you can try to stay and fight the current, or you can relax, and you'll start floating, and the current will start pushing you, right? And that's how he describes, like, that's kind of how it is with, with speaking in tongues and being led by the Holy Spirit. Yield. Let him do it. Um, It seems to be that a key part of cooperation with the Holy Spirit is surrender or yielding. It is saying yes to him. If you keep saying yes to God, God's will is going to happen in your life, including these gifts. Okay? So God's encouraging all of us to pray. Remember what he told me. He can't emphasize enough that the work that he wants to accomplish is built on prayer. So pray, keep praying with faith and an open ear to be led in your prayers and your work by the Holy Spirit. Let him breathe wind in your sails. 
those sails that will be renewed by him. And this is talking about anything. If you're a mother at home, if you're a teacher at school, if you're working at whatever job you work, uh, whatever social situation you're in, uh, he wants to breathe, breathe wind into your sails. Don't think that the prayers that you pray are just dissolving into the air. <clears throat> As you pray in the Spirit, he will fill cups, including your own. He will saturate thirsty soil. He will breach dams that are holding back God's will. Just like uh, that dam that broke at Johnson's shut-ins 10 years ago or 15 years ago. right? It just overflowed. And then it, the power of that emptied the whole reservoir, right? And fortunately, I don't think it killed anybody. I don't know. But it, if you, it scoured the ground. It like uh, revealed bedrock and wiped all the trees away where it went. That's what prayer does. Your prayers have weight and volume to them. They have life-giving properties, but they're continually needed like water is. Do not despise them or feel discouraged when you pray. We are his children. He listens to us and our words have authority. Amen? Father, we thank you today um, for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the ability to pray. And we, we just thank you for these gifts, these supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, today we yield to you. We say, Lord, wherever we're at, whatever we've experienced in the past lord we yield to you and today we say we want more of you we want more of the gifts that you have for us we want more power more love more uh, of the fruits of your spirit in our lives we want to see miracles we want to see healing we want to see people's lives changed we want to see our own lives changed holy spirit we yield to you and say um, have your way in us. Do your will. Help us to seek these gifts. Reveal to us what specific gifts you have for us. But I pray that each one of us will be able to come into a more fullness, a greater fullness of being able to pray in that prayer language and to be able to hear your voice, Lord. And so, Lord, we thank you that you do not leave us alone. You're not disinterested that you communicate and that you want to be at work with us, that you choose to cooperate with us. Help us to pray. Holy Spirit, have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen.